What's going on, everyone? This is Allison from The Locally Sourced. On today's episode, I will be talking with Danielle. Danielle is an artist who specializes in contemporary realist art, working with paint and fabric. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's very awesome to watch um, your art being made on Instagram. Can you tell us a little about your history with art and how you got started? Absolutely. Um, so as, as long as I can remember, I've had a paintbrush in hand when it, if it was an option. So, um, I've always been drawn to painting and to art and, um, my, my mom was an interior designer. So there were always a lot of materials around. She would make little, uh, mock-ups for clients. And I would, I would just love going to the store with her and just going in the aisles with all the paints. And, um, it was, you know, I, I think when I was in college, I decided to go to UMass Amherst. So I had a lot of options because I knew that <laughs> it was at least, you know, in, in some terms, a lot of people say it's unrealistic to be an artist and to make a living. So I wanted to have some options. But when I was there, I was so inspired by the people around me. And I just said, you know what, I would really regret not going for this. And so I had, I, I, um, graduated with a BFA and a painting concentration. And then I also did um, some graphic design classes and web design classes. And that ended up carrying me uh, financially, at least. Um, and I'm able to use my creative uh, set there as well. It's interesting you say that. How young were you when you actually started to find interest in painting? Was it like a middle school, high school? Uh, elementary. <laughs> oh, well, very early then. Yeah, my mom always exposed me to like actual uh, professional painting stuff because I would put that on my Christmas list. Like I want a set of acrylic paints and like, like all little girls wanted that in American yeah. girl dolls. Yeah, and I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, it definitely <laughs> was no masterpiece. I didn't know I had to prepare with gesso or anything, and uh, that came later, but. Early on, I definitely was like, this is what I love. And I could just get in the zone and be be with my painting for a long, long time. Were there classes in high school you took as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, high school can be <laughs> a source of anxiety for a lot of people. And I think when I was in my art class, like nothing else mattered. That was where I felt the most comfortable. I, you know, I... I always tried really hard at school and I, I did okay. I was one of those people that did, you know, I worked really hard just to get that like B plus A minus in all my other classes, but art was like, I could just be on autopilot. <laughs> Were there teachers there who kind of inspired you and helped you along the way in terms of finding your techniques and finding your love for it and really to get you going and help you find a college that fit, fit your needs as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see, Mr. Squatrio, Mrs. Molito. There is, there's, I think there's no one I didn't like as an art teacher. And I think they all really, um, they saw my potential, but they didn't feed my ego, <laughs> which is really important. Like if you're uh, like, you know, just told that you're awesome all the time, you're not going to grow. So I think the teachers that had the most influence with, on me in in my younger years and in my professional uh, development in college were the ones that gave me the hardest time. <laughs> what were some of the um, constructive criticisms they gave you that really stuck with you over time? 
Yeah, I would say like when it got to college, some of that, the critiquing gets really um, serious there. And I'm someone that like, <laughs> I take things to heart big time. And um, so at first it was like the worst thing to, to hear when, when, you know, they're saying I'm going for realism. And they, one of my professors, Richard Yard, he was my absolute favorite. He just told me like, you know, this, this isn't realistic. This is not you're not getting it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not getting it. And, you know, you just tears. <laughs> and then, um, and then I went back to the drawing board and did something amazing. And that's kind of a, a pattern with me. Like the, whenever I get the, the most real criticism is when my next awesome series comes out. <laughs> How long does that kind of take for you to kind of get back in the motion and motivated to find something new with the critique? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to give give time. It, it's hard to, to say exactly. I'll say my, my most recent kick was like not getting a grant that I, I spent a really long time um, and a lot of effort applying to. And I thought I was a really good fit for it. And I didn't get it. And they asked if I wanted to, to hear the, the, the notes. And I said, yeah, you know, I wanna know what wasn't the right fit. And they gave me the notes like unfiltered. I think the whoever wrote it didn't intend for <laughs> me to see it. So it was like, oh my God, this is just like raw criticism and I can't handle it. Um, and then I, then I took some time, maybe a couple of weeks, but I said, you know, I do need to shake it up and I need to try something that is different. And that's where I am now with my mask series, if you've been paying attention to me. I have, yeah. Okay, so that was what kind of kicked me into this gear. Um, and yeah, I think I'm, I'm better for it. Because sometimes, you know, people hate criticism. I think we all just feel it in our heart, especially something like painting you're so passionate about and you're proud of your work and all of a sudden someone kind of tears it down. But like you said, it's kind of like a life lesson for you. Some way to live your life is just build up from it and take it as a way to motivate yourself to find something new. We all can kind of get stuck in that rut, whether maybe a musician, artist, whatever it may be, we get stuck in that rut and kind of just need that kick in the behind sometimes. So <laughs> find something new so you know I think what was it like attending college and taking those classes uh, did you ever think you would want to go to UMass or like a fine arts program since Boston has so many yeah I think I the, the realistic part of me didn't even apply to art schools because I would I wanted a fallback and I just I wasn't quite ready to fully commit and even in my first year I didn't declare my major yet I declared as a sophomore so I was actually a little bit behind. I had to do some summer courses to graduate on time. Actually, I did my summer course in Italy. So that was a good choice. <laughs> I ended up doing that. So it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I did the abroad summer and that was incredible in Florence. Um, but- Did you do painting out there as well? Yeah, I did painting and art history. And art history was always the hardest for me because uh, like going back to those struggling for the, <laughs> the B plus, A minus stuff, so much memorization. But when I was in Italy and instead of flipping pages of a book, I'm looking at these masterpieces right in front of me. I mean, that burned in my mind. I was like, I got this. And uh, that was incredible. And then just learning from different people and being exposed to different types of people. 
Do you think it's just as competitive being at a school like that in regards to comparing it to a fine art school? Was there a lot of competition there as well? That's hard to say. Um, I, I do know a lot of people who have gone to art specific schools. Um, I don't know if that's given them a leg up. I think the lessons that I learned at UMass, I personally have taken to heart and I think I, I'm sure there are other you know, I'm sure there are professors at other art specific schools that um, have inspired people on, you know, keep keep a fire under them. But um, I wouldn't trade that for anything that teachers that I had. And they were also really realistic with me. They were like, um, like Richard Yard, the one I was talking about before, he said, um, there's going to come a day when you're in your professional life and you're going to have to choose. Are you going to paint to sell or are you going to paint for what drives you for your passion. And that that's like ingrained in my mind every time I get up in the morning and I go and I do what I do because I wanna paint for me. And um, like as I said before, I do graphic design and web design um, freelance. And when it comes to that, I will do whatever my clients want. You know, I'll give them my advice and I'll say, okay, really? <laughs> That doesn't really look great, but if it's what you want, I'll do it. They're paying me. But when it comes to my painting, like I don't take very many commissions. I, I do, you know, I'm in the seacoast, New Hampshire. There's a certain genre that does really well up here. That's not important to me specifically. And I'm not knocking anyone that, that does that genre. But for me, I do what I'm passionate about because I, I hear that little voice that says, you know, I want to make a difference in the art world. I want to do something that is passionate to me. So that's now when you do your paintings and you create your final product, what is it that you hope to envision for people looking at it in terms of your passion, what you hope for them to see inside your art? I want people to have a feel like a, a real feeling when they see my piece. I want them to relate to it. Because so, I think a lot of art is not approachable for the average person. So for me, I, I don't want to give people a puzzle that says, you know, if you don't, if you don't put my puzzle together, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know art. I want people to take what they want out of it, but I want it to feel like they can, I, I want them to like enter through the comfort of, of my medium, which is painting realism and, um, I like for people to appreciate that there's been a lot of time put in. Um, but then I like to fit a message in there too. Um, I paint with a message and every series I have has an intention behind it. If people get it, awesome. If they don't, I think that there's, there's still something that they can walk away with um, in my, like I usually do work in a series so they kind of talk together. Um, so when I put them in a show and they're all together, I think there's a feeling that people have. And I love that. I love sitting back. There have been several times where um, I've been in an exhibition and people don't know that I'm the artist yet. And that's my favorite because I can get people's reaction to my pieces. Luckily, I haven't heard anything I like, didn't like. But um, mostly I just like to see people looking at my pieces and they don't know that I'm like 
observing them. Um, that sounds creepy, but I didn't mean it. To no, I get it. Yeah, it's because <laughs> then you kind of get more realistic comments and just them getting more realistic ideas on how they understand your art. Like I myself have a lot of trouble understanding art. Like you said, when it's too abstract, I just can't appreciate something mm -hmm. like that. For me, like your realism for me is more approachable because I can see the emotion in the people's faces and their eyes and really distinguish in how they're feeling, what kind of picture it is. So that for me, I like realism and I can look at flower pictures all day and sunsets and um, ocean pictures. But I think when art comes down to people, it must take a while to really get that emotion out to the viewers of your art when you're creating it. Were there some series that you really, really enjoyed doing? Yeah, I think um, I think the current one is my favorite so far. Um, I always enjoy like getting into people's uh, personality. And sometimes I know the people I paint and sometimes I don't. And the ones that um, I'm painting right now, it's a combination. Some people I just found on Instagram or they found me and they sent me their photo. And since then I've gotten to know them because now I'm following them. And yeah, I'm, I only know them in a social media kind of a way, but I like kind of pairing that with the person that I'm like evolving on my, on my piece. Um, and yeah, I think this is, this is one of my favorite because the other thing too, is that technology is, is a helpful tool in what I'm doing because I paint from a photograph reference. And so the better that cameras get, the easier it is for me to work from when it comes to the, the realism. Um, so I have like my own DSLR that I, that I use and um, when I'm taking my own photos, I, I get really good references now, but I can also ask for people like this series I have for my mask series where I ask people to send me photos of themselves. They can actually do that. Most people have a really good camera on their phone. So when I'm starting with something like that, a good reference, then, then it usually translates into a better piece. Now to get them to know them better, since you guys met on um, social media, how do you ask them certain questions or just kind of like their hobbies, what they like? Is there certain things you kind of want to get to know to kind of envision what you want to paint? Yeah, for this series, I didn't, I didn't really bombard them with questions, but I asked them about their, their feelings about masks and if it made them feel different. Um, because, so my overarching theme being um, what we wear and how it makes us feel personally, how, it, uh, how we are perceived by the world, um, really comes into play when we're all putting face masks on. We're not comfortable wearing them Maybe we are now because it's been so long. Uh, but when I first started this in the summer, it was especially like, you feel different when you're out there. There was that whole um, wear it or don't wear it still going on in some places. And uh, some people, you know, treating you differently because you're wearing one or because you're not. <laughs> and um, so I wanted people to feel comfortable and also remind people that it was a, a good way to express yourself and that you can have fun with it. So a lot of the people that I had asked to um, send me work, I already liked their expression with their masks that I saw on Instagram. 
and reached out to them and said, hey, would you be open to this? And they usually jumped on it and were like, this would be you know, a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I think I got to know them more after the fact, just following them on Instagram. Um, one of the one of the people I asked, um, I saw this guy on Instagram and I liked his mask. It looked really cool. And I was like, oh, he's a comedian. That's fun. Um, you can see he has an expressive look on him. And then after the fact, I'm following him and I realized he had just gone through a transition. And in Alabama, I think, no, South Carolina, a tough part of the country to go through that. And he, and he found um, a support system on TikTok. Um, and he, you know, he uh, documented his transition on TikTok. And I was like glued to it and following it after the fact that I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I get to paint this person. And now I feel like such a bigger connection to him now that I know his story. Um, where when I was painting people on the street, which sometimes I, I do that, I'll take my camera on the street and I'll get a, a snapshot. And I kind of like that too, because I am, that I'm coming from that angle of, of seeing someone on, on the fly and giving that quick uh, judgment. So it's interesting trying the different approaches and I'm, I'm enjoying this approach right now, where it's kind of a combination of knowing and not knowing. <laughs> Yeah, because I guess it gives you the opportunity to kind of instill what they are as a person, but also opens the doors for your creativity to kind of emphasize what you're looking and what style you're trying to give off as well. Has your style changed over the years as you began painting? Has there been certain things you changed in terms of just how you started seeing people and taking pictures and what you thought your art should be and start kind of developed and transformed to what it is now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've experimented with a lot of different combinations of using material and using paint and some things work really well and some things <laughs> don't. And uh, those become a one of a kind. Not that they're necessarily bad, but- Can you give an example? <laughs> uh, sure, one of them is, is a lot of people's favorites. So it's called woven and I hand wove yarn <laughs> and uh, it took me like four months before I even picked up a paintbrush because then to paint on a surface like that, I had to like plaster it, sand it, gesso it, then paint it. And I was like, what am I thinking? But it's a cool piece, and but it's a one of a kind. It's not gonna happen again. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, some materials I've used like uh, satin and that's difficult to work with, but then um, like a, a pleather is actually really pleasing to paint on. So, you know, I just find these things out along the way and I'll, I'll take them into consideration in the next piece. Um, X-Acto knife became, became a really important tool to feed the fabric into the piece. Super scary though, after you've been working on it for months and then you're like, all right, time to cut into it. So that, that is nerve wracking, but it's a cool uh, process that I picked up. And then most recently painting on copper for my mask series, that's something I've never tried. And I've been having a lot of fun with that. It's a really cool medium. How did you come up with the mask series? Was it just kind of what's going on in the world? Yes. So, you know, back in March when this all started, I immediately thought about the connection to my theme. Um, but I thought this isn't gonna stick around. <laughs> And this is too kitschy, like everybody's, you know, 
everybody's talking about it. I don't want to just like jump on the bandwagon, so to speak. But when it came to the summer and I was like, you know what, this is too prevalent. I, what, what am I going to paint if I paint people on the streets? I mean, there's nobody on the streets, first of all, and they're all wearing masks. I was like, you need to embrace this and also document it. I feel like, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of my paintings, as I look back, they document fashion that is fluctuating all the time. And then there's this, which is a big moment in our history, in our time. And so I thought this will be a, this will be something that we can look back on and hopefully say, wow, remember that time, unless it is, you know, the way of the future. Oh, let's hope not. <laughs> but even, even still that the first time anybody has to go through something as different as this is something that is uncomfortable for us, but important for us. Um, then I also liked, so I talked about how, like, I like to be relatable and we all, for the most part, get dressed every day. <laughs> and it becomes, to some extent. <laughs> yeah, maybe more or less during COVID. I definitely pajamas all day sometimes, but Regardless, it's something that we're all used to doing and throughout um, history and also around the world. And so the around the world part of um, wearing a face mask right now, we're all going through this together. And this small piece of fabric is something that we have in common with people in Brazil and we have in common with people in Japan. So we're, we're all feeling uncomfortable but we're all feeling like we're in this together. And, and by wearing it, we're all protecting each other. It's kind of cool. So I was like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta lean into this and explore it. That's a great way of thinking about it. Cause as you said, there's so many negative feelings towards a mask, but you know, I never even thought about how it's just a common thing throughout the whole country. Um, everyone has to wear, we're all going through the pandemic in some sort of level. So it, it's a great way to you know, express artistic and creativity and connect us like, as I know, art and music and so forth connects everybody. So that's a great way to think about it. I didn't even think about it that way where I just, I just get mad. I have to put it on and can't breathe in a grocery store. So um, that's a great positive way of thinking about a mask in terms of connecting us all and that we all wear one and it's a way to express ourselves, what color mask we carry, what kind of, maybe we can showcase our favorite football team and so forth. So that's really neat. Um, you said that you don't sell your paintings for commission. So what do you do with all your paintings? Do you have art galleries? Is there galleries that kind of put your paintings on display for long-term, short-term? How does that work? Uh, yeah, I exhibit as much as I can. Um, I right now it's a weird time but I'm in a, a bunch of virtual exhibitions people are getting creative about that and so actually it's kind of a cool time to like I'm in part of a show in LA but I didn't have to ship my pieces so you know I'm just kind of embracing that um, generally speaking yeah I'll do um, a few group shows I'll usually try to do a solo show every couple years um, and build up enough to be able to, to fill a room depending on the room. Um, yeah, sometimes people, so I, like I said, I don't do commissions, but sometimes the people I paint do want their paintings afterwards. So that is sometimes a, a point of sale. Um, I do prints, I do coasters, you know, the 
seems silly, but it's a fun way for people that can't afford an original piece to enjoy the piece. Um, so yeah, I think um, I do sometimes do commissions. I did a, a commission for, um, it's called the Money Museum of Boston. It's a coin and stamp historical um, building and they commissioned me to do Paul Revere. And I said, all right, as long as I can do it in my style. <laughs> so they let me do um, Paul Revere's hat coming out and his cape coming out. And uh, it's a triptych actually. So it was, it was something totally different for me. And it was, it was a fun opportunity. I think, you know, when I, I, so I have a daughter who's two and a half and I did that, I think the first year she was born. So it was kind of nice to have something like big to work on that I didn't, I, it was kind of on autopilot where I was just like working where generally speaking, like right now I have like four to six going at the same time. Cause I'm, you know, moving fast. Uh, but at the time it was nice to have like one big thing to work on. Now, how long did, uh, does a painting typically take in these series for you? In this current series? Um, it's hard to say because I'm working on so many at the same time. Generally speaking, I'd say a painting takes me between a month and three months. Um, so like I say, I don't, I'm not um, every day in the, in the studio, but I'm, you know, a couple times a week in the studio. But with oils too, you have to like wait for them to dry. So it, it's nice to have a couple going at the same time. Now, how does the process work to get into an exhibit? Do you have to write them a letter or do they choose you? How does that work for people interested? Yeah, so um, mostly it's a call to art that I'll keep an eye out for. I have a few places I look online um, and I'll see if I fit the theme. So like the one in LA is called Art in the Time of Corona. I was like, yep, my stuff applies here. So um, that's a good way to get into a show. Um, then there's some galleries that I like know personally and I'll go to them and say, hey, I think I have a good show. Like, you know, and they're more like um, local um, approachable galleries. The ones that are uh, like have represented, represented artists um, like the Big Deal galleries in Boston and New York and um, uh, California or Miami, like those, those are the, the, the big fish. And I would love to be a part of those shows at some point. I've been part of group shows, um, but to have a solo show at one of those would be kind of the ultimate. So I try, I think, you know, it's a, it's always a, we'll ask you, don't ask us kind of scenario where you, you hit a lot of walls when you try. Um, but doesn't keep me from trying so <laughs> so when they ask you you don't have to pay for the vacancy of the real estate do you or is it they kind of just no. make this so space for you they usually most galleries take a commission anywhere from like 30 percent to 50 percent um and sometimes they'll mark up your piece so you get more but usually it's like you decide the price of your piece and then they take half of that or 40 percent or whatever it's interesting. Yeah. So that I never knew that. I thought kind of the artist just makes the, all the money, but I guess that makes sense because they're showcasing and allowing you to use their gallery and such. What about if you do your own showcasing? Do you just do it for just the pleasure of people looking at your paintings or in terms of buying them? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I get so much from positive reinforcement. <laughs> and for me, that's the ultimate. Um, I definitely encounter people that are like, what do you mean you don't like, you're not trying to make money? I'm like, well, I am. I would love that. But it's not my ultimate goal. My, I, my driving force is, is to present my work to the world for people to appreciate it. And then, um, you know, I use my, my other freelance work to pay bills. And I think that's part of what frees me from being, you know, pulled in a, in a different direction than I want to be. Now, do you kind of recommend that to artists who love painting and hoping to make a living out of it? Or what is some recommendations to those or advice, I would say, per se, to artists kind of looking to do what you do in terms of kind of following your passion? Yeah, I would say the best way to proceed <laughs> is to have something that you can pay your rent. Like, don't you don't need to be a starving artist. You can be a working professional who also is an artist that is taken seriously. But what I you hate to butt in, do you, do you ever, when that happens, do you ever get the comments of you kind of just giving in to corporate from certain artists? Is that kind of a notion? Um, not really. I, I know that that can be perceived that way, but um, like when you first asked me today, like, are you a full-time artist? I couldn't figure it out. And I said, good. That's because I think it's important to have, um, have an artist persona and present yourself that way. And then have your, have your side gig, if that's what you do, or your other main gig, whatever, and, and keep them separate so that you can be um, appreciated as an artist. And then function as a human and you know be able to afford things that make you comfortable um and I mean this isn't what works for everybody but it's what works for me and for other artists that I know that are um able to continue so if you're if you're somebody that's in college and you're everybody around you is supporting you at that time it can be a really hard thing to all of a sudden be on your own you don't have assignments and you're not being critiqued and you're not um, you're not being given the opportunities to show like you were in college. So you all of a sudden have to be your own driver. You have to be your driving force, but you can't do that if your fuel is empty, <laughs> you know? But at the same time, try not to take on a job that is sucking your energy out. Cause I've done that at some points too, where I'm like, um, you know, because I wasn't always able to support myself on my freelance the way I am now. Um, 2007 is when I graduated and it was a recession and it was a tough time and I was doing weird gigs here and there. And um, and I was nannying at one point and not to knock that because I'm, I'm able to do it now. I'm able to watch my own kid and and have the energy to paint. But at that time, I think the kids I was nannying were like really exhausting. And I said, oh, this is a perfect schedule. I'll be out by three. I couldn't, I had to nap and I'm not a napper like generally, but I, I was exhausted when I got home and I was not creating very much because it was taking too much away from me. So try to find something that, that you can support yourself with, but doesn't take away from your, from your painting and try to set up goals for yourself. Um, you know, it can be, it can be tiring to be promoting yourself on social media 
for example, but it's also a good motivator because it's nice to be held accountable for creating new content. Um, I we used to have an art walk in town uh, that I was actually part of putting together here in Dover, but it was under every first Friday. And so for that, it was like, all right, I want new work on for people to see that are coming every month. So try to think of in terms of timelines, um, now that you don't have those assignment markers, like try to set up little goals for yourself. And, you know, that's what's helpful for me. I think that's uh, great advice for anyone in the field. You know, if you're, you can kind of get um, washed out from working all the time on an assignment, mm -hmm. doing something you love, whether it be painting, music making, anything you love, you can kind of get, um, washed out and tired and end up hating something you always loved after a while. So I think, like you said, it's the balance of allowing yourself to follow your passion, something you love and stay creative, but ensure that you do have the income to support yourself and not, even if you wanted to be a full-time painter and you didn't have the income, you may end up not liking your profession as a painter because you're not paying rent or you're not paying for food and groceries. So that's great advice in terms of just having balance in your life of, you know, doing something you love in addition to supporting so you can continue doing something you love consistently. Now, is that just something in your life that painting has taught you? Is there anything else painting has taught you about your life and just the way you see life in general and raising your child and just your marriage and everything? I'm sure painting involves a lot of patience. It does. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, not taking shortcuts. So there's plenty of times where I'm like, I could be done with this piece. And then um, those are the pieces that I'm like, I should have spent more time on that. And that's, that's why I don't like love it. And then there are pieces that I, I really take my time. And I give it the extra um, patience and the attention to detail and those are the ones that I end up loving so yeah I think that is important then just painting in general is um very relaxing for me and it's a it's I mean art therapy is a whole profession right that's not out of nowhere it's it's really um a great thing for for, and for, for me personally for just getting through anything difficult and um yeah I think I like I like when my paintings are able to touch people and to inspire people and empower people. So I think, you know, that's probably a direction that I'm moving is, is trying to celebrate people too. Now, has there been a painting that you're like, oh, this take came out terrible and all of a sudden everyone loved it? <laughs> yeah, I, I hate painting myself. <laughs> I hate taking photos of myself, so I totally yeah. get you in that retrospect. It's really hard with that, and I've done some self-portraits that other people really like, but I, I, I just like shove them in the corner. I'm like, I just can't. Is it hard to just look at yourself painted in front of you? It, for me, it's hard to just look at photos of myself. I don't know why. It's yeah, or like listening to yourself. So there's something yes to do with that where like I don't like to stare at myself while I'm painting myself and then I don't want to stare at it after that that's just I don't know but then I've painted other people that enjoy looking at themselves so I don't think it's that but it's just like I don't know it's hard to also see yourself like 
the way everyone else sees yourself. I don't know. There's there's something difficult there. Also, with realism, I think the best way to achieve that is to separate it from what you're painting, like um, to see it in to see what you're painting um, in shapes and in light and color. And it's really hard to break that down when it's yourself. Right. You know, it's funny when we talk about that. I, I don't know if this is even accurate or not, but I kind of think of the way Frida Carla did her self-portrait. And I believe this was after her bus, I believe the bus accident and how she kind of made herself a little mis disordered than what she actually looked like in the mirror. So that's it's just interesting that you would say that because I think maybe a lot of people just, you know, I hate my voice on the microphone but I took this on and said you know what just do yeah. it see what yeah. happens and I always hated my voice even in Spanish class when we had to record our exams like oh is that my voice yeah <laughs> so I can I totally understand you in that retrospect um yeah. has there been any artists or famous artists that you kind of looked up to in terms of style or some techniques they kind of you kind of took on and thought that was really neat yeah absolutely um Love the old masters, Renaissance painters, um, Caravaggio, uh, Vermeer. Um, I like John Singer Sargent. I think he's great. Um, and then more modern, I don't know if you know Chuck Close, but he has some really impressive um, hyper-realistic paintings. Um, and Cindy Sherman, she's a photographer, a modern day photographer. And I like her kind of storytelling. So I think I've taken some of that from from her book. No, when you were in Italy, was there just paintings in general that really moved you, inspired you to create what you wanted to create in Italy as well? Everything there moved me. <laughs> it was like the, just the the grand scale and the um, I mean Da Vinci's work and Michelangelo and um, looking at Primavera. It was just I mean everything every corner you turned it was just like what <laughs> this is incredible and um you can just appreciate the time and, and um the love put into all those pieces even when they I sometimes I wonder what those artists would create if they weren't um if they didn't have to work within the parameters that they did at the time which is like religious Catholic figures, figures. Yes. yeah you know and but they still did find ways to work in their subtle opinions or uh different perspectives which I love but yeah I kind of wonder like what would they do in 2021 <laughs> maybe something like Banksy style or something yeah maybe <laughs> is know. there a certain an artist that you really really just love in general and follow their pieces continuously yeah, like uh, contemporary um, peers, absolutely. Um, the Boston artist, Somerville artist. So I used to be in Somerville for, I painted at, at a Somerville for like 10 years. And so I got to know a lot of artists there. And there's too many to mention. There's some really great uh, creative powerhouses there. But um, Andrew Fish is one of those that I, I love his work. If you follow him on Instagram, he's great. Um, really unique style and is able to, you're just like able to immediately recognize his work and and I, I enjoy them. Um, Jerry Kearns, he's uh, one of my professors, one of my classes at UMass, we actually went to New York City and we were taught there by artists working and living in New York City. 
and they were so real with us and he was one of them that was like this is you know this is what it's like to work as an artist and it's not always glamorous but it's it's amazing and you know uh he he's just a great artist and so I've continued to follow him Um, what were some of the comments he said in terms of being real with you guys that really just stuck with you in general or you know would stick with anybody who's trying to be an artist just that you know it can you can be um told no a lot and that's okay like you have to just keep going and you just have to do your thing and I think just being in his studio in um in New York City and just seeing wow like this would be the ultimate just having this huge room you know it's gotta be like crazy rent and he's got these huge pieces going and just like paint all over his pants but in the in the best way possible (laughs) and he's walking down the halls and he knows everybody and that was cool I mean like I know I know for me I I couldn't actually live in New York City and I think I figured that out during that class too but he also he was like you know you don't have to live in New York City but you just have to be paying attention to everything that's happening in the art world and so Instagram actually has been a really good way to do that. You can keep tabs on people from wherever you are. I was just going to ask you that. How do you keep up with, in terms of trends, not so much trends, just common creativity techniques that are taking place? Do you just use Instagram or is there other ways the whole our community stays on top of things? Yeah, so um, I'm in a mill building and I've got a lot of artists around me. Of course, with COVID, we're not as uh, interactive as we used to be, but I definitely get, um, you know, bounce ideas off people there. Um, one of the, the artists in my building painted on copper, and that's what gave me the idea to paint on copper. Um, but yeah, Instagram, absolutely. I connect with people from college and people that I don't know at all, and I see some cool techniques and, and um, practices, but I've always been somebody that's really like likes to be unique and so I never I was always like I'm not going to copy that picture I'm not going to use trace paper Um, I'm going to do things my own way so I always kind of walk my own line but absolutely I think like we don't live in a vacuum we're inspired by things if we're exposed to them so I definitely try to expose myself and um, but with that I would say another caution for people is to set up your boundaries for social media that can be a time suck and it can also be I mean in the in the same way that you see people on vacation and everybody's happy photos that's you can understand that other people other artists don't always have it together all the time either they're sharing with you their best stuff so even with my paintings when I when I show my videos like that wasn't everything I did in the studio that day like there's some things I painted that I'm like I'm not sharing that <laughs> and so it's important to be inspired but not be like discouraged like well they have it all together I must not be doing it right like everybody has moments where they're not doing it right <laughs> I that's so true in terms of social media I think it's hard when as an artist or just in general as a person comparing yourself to anybody you see on the media on the internet it's you don't know their history you don't know if that was just one second of their day so um 
That's great advice because I think for emerging artists or even just young artists, when they start off slow and then they see someone's beautiful piece, it could discourage them in terms of, do they want to continue being an artist? Do they want to continue to pursue such a career? Um, so what is, what is it like to market on social media? What do you kind of do in terms of um, what do you recommend or what has worked for you? What hasn't? Especially now where you can't have galleries or pass out flyers, it must be so much more additional work to really market your art in terms of just inspiring others. Yeah, so um, another awesome artist, Dina Brodsky is someone that um, she actually started teaching a course on how to market on Instagram. And she's somebody that I knew from college. So um, it was a couple of years ago, I reached out to her and I was like, oh, I'd love to do your class. She was doing it in person in New York City, but I was like, but I can't be there. Uh, you know, I'm a mom and this was going on. She's like, I'm a mom too. And she's like, let's do a Zoom instead. And this was before people were Zooming because it was not COVID. But um, we spent an hour just talking about how to break the uh, the algorithms on Instagram, What, how to really do it the right way. Um, I think she's now doing a lot of... Um, online courses. So if anyone's interested, I would definitely recommend working with her. She's got something like 275,000 followers. Like she's got the blue check and everything. She's so she's been verified and all. Yeah. And she, she like consults with galleries because they don't, they're like, oh, we need to follow. But she said, um, don't let it affect your work, but keep keep it a, as a consistent, um, keep putting consistent, visually compelling posts up and you'll see doors open up. So don't, don't ignore that that part of your life is gonna help propel you. Uh, but it also can be a great way to just get feedback from people. Like, I don't know where, you know, you're getting these comments that are making you feel good about what you're doing. Everybody likes that. Like when you're, especially in these times, painting by yourself in the studio, like it's nice to get that feedback. So for me, I have all these gadgets, you know, the thing that holds the phone up while I'm painting. So I just hit time-lapse and then I paint and I forget it's recording. And then later I'll put it together in a video and put it out there and then it's there. But um, I try, yeah, I try not to let it totally change the way I work, but I like to make sure it's something that I stick to. Interesting, because, you know, it's just, I find that whole world just so confusing to me, maybe because we just never had it when we were growing up. We had MySpace and Facebook, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, these days it's Instagram and just being it, I guess, quote unquote, influencer or an Instagrammer, I don't know what you call them as a living. It's just, Sometimes, like you said, it may take away from your creativity rather than just wanting to go paint on a Sunday morning. It's like, oh, um, I haven't posted yet. So let me go paint something that I'm not truly enjoying or passionate about. So I think for you, you're again, it's probably the balance of wanting to showcase your creativity at work, but also ensuring that you still enjoy it as a painter or an artist. So that's great advice. Don't just don't let it overcome your life where you're trying to appease followers all day. Instead, um, 
you know, just do it for you. And I think that's for me, I kind of got stuck in, oh, I don't have any followers or, oh, look at this. They unfollowed me or um, I'm not posting anything. Should I be posting something? Mm -hmm. And again, you're watching all these artists post painting after painting after painting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it again, not saying they're liars, but who knows where the painting came from, how long it took. Is that just a quarter section of their wonderful <laughs> painting of the rest could not be as nice. So that's very helpful to say as an artist, because I think you want to showcase your work to the world and share it, especially now during COVID. Mm -hmm. When you cannot hold an art gallery, it's nice to, it's a reminder that things are still happening. Mm -hmm. Art is still being made. People can still be creative and hopefully inspires people who are in the house who need a hobby. Mm -hmm. And say, you know, this is really cool. She did this. Let me try this out. Um, have you ever thought about teaching art? Is that something you ever considered? Maybe in your next life or <laughs> your past um, life? <laughs> I, I have taught workshops and I do enjoy that from time to time. Um, but doing it full time probably wouldn't be in the cards for me. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I enjoy it, but I, I think it would take away from me wanting to like how we talked about before like something that supports what you do and doesn't take away from what you do I might it might like run me down I don't know how teachers stand all day it's hard <laughs> I taught and I was yeah. I, when I used to teach I would come home shower because I taught preschool so I was like oh got a shower mm -hmm. and then I would go take a nap and then yes. you know it was it was and then I taught high school and I would do the same thing it's a very demanding job and it, yeah. you know I credit all the teachers in the world because I ended up leaving mm -hmm. just for me it was just too much I couldn't be in really I got I get too involved into it I take yeah. too much to heart so it was just really you know, just not for me at the time. I do teach part-time just religion, but it's on my great schedule. It's relaxing. It allows me to really do something I enjoy. I enjoy yep. religious history. I get to teach them the historical pieces of religion. Awesome. But um, yeah, and teachers, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. incredible. Teaching from kids to adults, yeah. there's a lot into it. And, you know, um, you know, if you didn't paint, would there be some other thing you would do you enjoy doing other than painting? I can't picture a world where I'm not painting. <laughs> I think even if I didn't have any supplies, I'd like use charcoal. Ch rocks, bur burning rocks on <laughs> yeah, the street. Burn, burn things and use the end. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't picture it. Um, but I, there are other things I enjoy. I mean, I've got my family. I've got, like, I love dancing in the living room with my little girl and doing yoga and doing hikes and other you know no does your little girl like painting as well she does oh it's crazy like she at first of all she's left-handed but actually sometimes she's sometimes she has two brushes at the same time and she concentrates so it's it's the best I like I'm like I'm not pushing this on you am I because like she definitely loves it's it it's too funny yeah yeah, yeah. And at my studio she's got her own desk oh and, my goodness like every time we go I just like print out these coloring book pages for her. And every time we go, she like thinks of a different theme. She'll be like, I want bunnies today. And so I'll just be printing out bunnies and I want dinosaurs today. It's so funny. That, must, that, that can be hard probably for some artists with kids where they see their kids going crazy and abstract. They're like, no, 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 wait a minute. Paint uh, the lines. So that's nice. She can be creative and just, you know, take she on. She's inside the lines 
but also like does her own thing too like, <laughs> it's hard as a parent because you want them to like paint well and follow the instructions and then you're like you know what after a while I'm like just go crazy just use your hands use your feet whatever you want to do just oh paint. yeah I think there's something awesome about that like yeah let them go paint. loose and wild and discover yeah. the fun of painting rather than the um constriction of painting something a picture oh, yeah um, and I think I talked about how my mom exposed me to real materials like I've already she has a gouache set which is like a fancy watercolor uh set uh, like a fake watercolor and she does so well with it like she doesn't make a mess and she's so daintily dips it in the water and <laughs> in her color and just I'm like like this is incredible but I I love seeing that that's exciting your fridge must be full basically of just oh, yeah. every picture possible oh, it's totally full. I, I've started scrapbooking I'm like oh that's wonderful I, she I must love it watching <laughs> you paint while she paints in the studio that must be an awesome experience for her it, just like you growing up you get to go with your mom to the fabric store and see her love for it and then yeah. maybe she's gonna love painting or something in the arts that's that's really cool to really just expose her to all of that fun stuff yeah absolutely we're like we're very much like do pursue whatever path you want but we're gonna right. as much as we can and this is this is what she's seeing the most of right now but <laughs> no she wants to become a full-time painter you gotta give her the same advice <laughs> i would yeah i i mean i would absolutely that's very cool um do you just want to talk a little bit about the awards you won if you don't mind oh Sure. Um, yeah, I think like putting yourself out there in shows and stuff. I've gotten a few accolades. Um, one of the one of the cooler ones I've got was right out of college when like you really need that boost. <laughs> I was at a show in um, South Boston and they gave me the gold painting award and I was among a lot of really seasoned artists and I was just, you know, 22. 21 22 no yeah 22 or 23 but it was like it meant the world to me and um it's it still is an awesome thing to have um yeah I've gotten some great like in Somerville I was awarded a grant and that became a cool project where I put out a red carpet in uh, Union Square and I asked people to come pose for me and then I did an exhibition right there in the square, an outdoor exhibition. And I rented coat hangers and I hung my paintings from coat hangers. And that was so cool. Um, so uh, yeah, other, like when I was in college, I got some accolades. Um, and yeah, once in a while, it's nice to be, be uh, told you're, uh, you're validated. Let's say. <laughs> How does that work? How do they kind of figure out who wins the award and so forth. How does that work? Yeah, so not all exhibitions have um, awards, but the, some that do, they usually have um, the juror award, like whoever put the show together usually. Um, but then sometimes they'll do like a people's choice kind of thing where the people who come vote on their favorite. I was gonna say, that must be so hard to just pick one painting. Mm -hmm to say, oh, this, this is amazing. I'm sure everybody's in your paintings well-deserved. I just, myself, I probably yeah. couldn't choose just one, you know, because like you said, painting something, there's not one of the same of everything. And 
you know, it's just, it must be so hard. Yeah. It's so personal to, to, to personal preference. So if I, if I don't get alkalines, I, I'm not bothered by it, but when you do, it's, it's a nice feeling. <laughs> That's very cool. I, I, you know, it's, how do people react when they saw the whole red carpet thing where people anticipating? Oh, did they love it? That was a social experiment as much as it was a, a, you know, an art project. Like a lot of people were like, what? Like looking at me like I had three heads. Some people leaned right into it. They're like, yeah. And uh, so I get some awesome. And also I, you know, it was in Somerville and I was like, am I going to get a good variety of people? It just so happened that I really did. I got a really balanced contrast of different kinds of people. And for that one, I did survey, like, how do you feel like you're being perceived in this outfit? Where like, if I'm getting photos on the street of people, I don't even interact with them. <laughs> I just like come up with my own ideas. So it was cool to get people's feedback on that. And then a lot of them came to the show when I had it. And that was cool too. That is cool. Cause they're probably just getting brunch in the morning and all of a sudden they're in an art show the next few weeks from then. So that's really neat. Yeah. Well, it was a few months. I had to, I actually had to work like hard <laughs> because we're in New England. I, I took the photos in May and I had the show in October and I did like six oil paintings and maybe four watercolors. So sometimes I'll do watercolor and that's a fast output. So I was able to do more subjects that way, but yeah, that was because they were some of them were pretty large. I think 40. Uh, yeah, like 48 by 24. Now, is there a difference? Have you noticed the environment of being in Somerville compared to being in New Hampshire in terms of the people and um, the styles or just the artistic environment? Have you noticed distinguished differences in that sense? Yeah, definitely. I think I think in Somerville, it was the like, um, you know, little fit what's the analogy like you're you're a fish among a lot among a lot of fish I know I'm messing this analogy up but up here um there aren't as many artists but they're there and there's some really great great uh talent and so I think you're seen more um and the people that do see me stay in touch more they're they're like more connected to me where in Somerville it was almost like oversaturation where there was we had a open studios um, in May. They, they still do it. It's awesome if, if you haven't been. Um, but the program, it was like 300 artists or something ridiculous. And you never got to see everybody. People, even like people that love art and they would try to go for two days. They wouldn't see everybody, uh, which was awesome. It was great to be around all of that. And I learned so much there. But now up, up here in Dover, it's it's you know, I'm able to acquire more of a following, I think. Um, and then, like I said, I, I helped start up an art walk up here every first Friday. So not knowing a lot of people in town, like all of a sudden I got to know all of the artists in, in the surrounding area, which was awesome. And I'm able to stay connected to them even when it's not happening with COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting you say that because I think when people think of artists and you know, just in general where they live, they think about around Boston or Somerville. They're just kind of well known as the creative area, I guess, of Boston, or even like just going to New York, like everybody wants to go to New York to be an artist or a dancer, or everyone wants to go to LA. So it's just interesting how locations give off that idea of this is where you need to be to be an artist. 
So that can maybe help people who are listening just to say, you know, you can do your art in so many places and locations as long as you're advocating and really making sure you're, I guess, like you said, promoting yourself in a manner that helps you as an artist and creative and find people who kind of have the same idea as you in terms of art and just a community again, probably helps as well. Yeah, like you probably have to do more work to stay connected when you're not physically around as many artists. Like when I was in Somerville, I was in a cooperative building with like 12 artists and then we had a show there every month. So we would have artists in the door every every month. So yeah, I have to probably work a little harder to stay connected to people, but it's definitely not impossible. I think it only gets easier um, with technology and, and with the, the, the ability to ship work and travel is not impossible. I think don't close yourself out from showing in places that you don't live. Like that's great advice. Yep. No, that's great. And who knows what you'll discover about those places and or meet. So that's great advice. Um, Any future plans for painting after the series is done? Are you going to take a break or have anything up your sleeve ready to go? No breaks. Um, (laughs) I'm probably, I'm probably going to take on a a pretty personal project and a, like a, um, um, I want to try to highlight like empowering people and um, kind of how fabric, how clothing can be a, a point of strength and um, it can be um, kind of a, it can be a way of protecting yourself, but it can be a way of showing the world that um you can, you've got your stuff together too, I think. So I'm, I'm, I'm going that route. I, I, I probably don't have enough to talk about it yet, but just know that something cool is coming. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to see, especially with the fabric and just what you come up with. Um, can you just give everybody an idea on how to get in contact or kind of watch what you're painting and follow your stories and so forth? Yeah. Absolutely. So like you found me on Instagram, um, always posting on there. Um, my handle is paintings by D Festa. And then on my, I have a website, daniellefesta.com. Um, you can find me there. I have a contact form and, um, I'm also on Facebook and on TikTok and Twitter, like sort of. <laughs> like- you do the dances on TikTok. <laughs> I've done a couple. Uh, no, actually, I only did one, and I did it with my daughter and my dog. So it was, it was actually pretty fun to do the what was it the Taylor Swift one. I, I'm getting a little more into TikTok. It is it is a, a fun fun medium, but like the others, don't let it suck your time. <laughs> so you're not going to become a full time TikTok dancer anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, actually, back when you said if you're not painting, maybe that's what I would do. Fun to watch them, though. It is. I, to be honest, when I had it, we were thinking about doing something for work, and I was like, oh, I'll yeah. take a look at it. I was on there for like two hours, just watching people dance. Yeah. So it is entertaining. It's and you know, it's funny. I would the creativeness people come up with in terms of making a TikTok video, it's it's amazing because I'm not creative. And it's just like, I would never think to do something of that nature. So, you know, more power to anybody who's out there has the confidence to do anything on the internet, like TikTok yeah. like that. So confident. Yeah. more power I mean, to everybody. 
Absolutely. And I think we, you know, we're talking about art being therapeutic. Dancing is therapeutic. Too. Absolutely. Like, and it's COVID it, time, like just dance and paint. Dance and away. And you it. can showcase your creativities and emotion of dance, any type of art. And that, I think that's yeah. just a great thing. And it's, you know, just to um, kind of slowly end this, but it's sad sometimes when schools cut those programs and those I are the mean. first programs to be cut. And it's just like, like you said, for or, and myself, I'm not that artistic, but for people who cannot get the grades academically, the art programs or the music programs or the technical programs are where they're going to, you know, advance and find benefits from it. So hopefully people see the benefits in art and continue to support and uh, fund such programs so people like you can grow up and still love it and showcase their work and just keep up with their passion. So fingers crossed, our programs still stay relevant and important. You know, it's hard, especially I'm sure for your daughter, if she doesn't have art, it'd be tough to kind of, yeah, it just allows kids to express themselves. And, you know, if they can't get the math question, right, but they can create a purple duck, that's fine with me. Oh, yeah. I used to see people too in school that were not you know, they didn't excel in what, or in what typically people would say is good art, but you know, they, you can see them struggling in other classes, but just totally relaxed in art class. I think it's, it's therapeutic as much as it is, um, an advancement for some people. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you, Danielle, for being on the show. Um, guys, once again, she's on all forms of social media. So I will post, uh, her Instagram page on the podcast. I appreciate you being on the show. I'm not quite sure if it's snowing over there, but it is here. So yes, I'm starting to see it at the window. Hope you have a great week and thank you again. Bye.